hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favourite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. Today on the show, I'm pleased to announce I have the first person on the podcast who has ever been in a Star Wars movie. Zareen Dallas is a stunt woman, and she has participated in some of the biggest franchises that we've seen and reviewed on Pod Me If You Can. She was in James Bond. She's been in Fast and the Furious. She's been in The Avengers. She's also been in Rogue One. Zareen has had the pleasure to be the body double or stunt person for Nicole Kidman, Cameron Diaz, Gal Gadot, and Michelle Rodriguez, and it is an impressive resume so far. It was a privilege to speak with Zareen and uh, hear some behind-the-scenes information about what it takes to become a stunt woman and uh, the dangers involved in the job. Let's head straight to that interview now. All right, Zareen Dallas, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, stunt work is an incredibly unique field of work. What was the moment you realised you wanted to give it a go? I guess as a child I'd always watched films and loved the horse work and anyone riding a horse in a film. And if you look at the Robin Hoods and, you know, the beautiful green forest and you just think this is so stunning to look at, um, but I wouldn't have known consciously that that was probably a stunt double or a stunt rider. Um, there, were, there were doubles riding for the actors. So I guess I've always, my passion is horses. So it wasn't until I was sent to England on a sailing scholarship that I um, actually got to talk just a stunt person for the first time and then realised that you know, you have to train, and then once you're trained, you could possibly then go and ride those horses on the films. So that's sort of a roundabout way of taking. So horses were the way in for you? They were indeed. And, like, I mean, a lot of people have that kind of I want a pony when I grow up attitude, you know, as a child. Um, did you have access to stables and uh, the ability to kind of learn to ride horses? Yes, I was always on a horse, around horses, studying horses, playing with horses, competing with horses, at school with horses. So, yes, I've been very lucky that I've always pursued that interest and and had experience from a very young age. And would you classify yourself as a daredevil growing up? (laughs) You know, I guess when you're confident, and I can relate it to the horses, if, if you're one with a horse then for me it was okay to jump on bareback or to have no saddle or to have no bridle and to play on them so someone else might think that that was a bit risky but um I think in the industry you'll have daredevils that might there are some people that have done live shows and they were more of extreme performers and daredevils whereas I think a stunt person and a stunt performer it's more calculated and thought out so I'm not going to say that I'm a daredevil, no. And um, starting out when you wanted to be a stunt person, you wanted to get into stunt work, did you have a mentor and someone you could look up to in the field? I guess there's um, 
there's only the older people of the UK stunt register that I was first exposed to. So those um, old boys, Roy, Alon, and some of those people were were famous in England and I didn't know the depths and the breadth of their experience and you know, they're just characters that were, you know, Roy unfortunately has passed away. But I got to meet him really, really early on when I was investigating and observing on film sets and TV shows. And I guess some of the words that he said to me have always remained with me and that's just not seeking a mentor, but just being exposed to someone that's been around for a very, very long time and was mm-hmm. really experienced. And um, where did you want to share any of those words now that you you were told? Or <laughs> yeah, I mean the one that stayed with me specifically was because uh, as I didn't have any background in film. Um, I don't have any family members that have ever worked in the industry. Um, I guess it was all about, well, you know, how, how do you do this, Roy? How can I somehow work or who would offer me a job? And um, he talked about the more that you chase the stunt work, the more it would elude you. But um, if you – it's all sort of how do you catch a butterfly? And that was – it was softly, softly, gently, gently. And it's just, it's always been, they've just been appropriate words to always remember. For sure. Um, that have, that have, that's really stuck with me. And so you, you're starting out, you want to do this for a, a living, you know, were your family and friends receptive to this idea of a profession? <laughs> when I started training and then I would share say, videos of um, a full fire burn, you know, for example, and things like that. Um, Because it's something you're doing and it's very safe and you're with trained professionals, when I would share that video, say, with my mother, she almost was in tears watching me having a full, you know, being basically, well, doused and then on fire. So... And some of her attitudes were, well, you riding horses the whole time, people don't have children. Just sort of (laughs) strange thoughts that, um, I don't know, I guess because they're not in the industry, they weren't able to really, I don't know, understand that I'd be okay, sort of, I guess. Does that make sense? There's certainly some danger to it, but how does that feel being set on fire? I mean, obviously, it's um, something that you, you're prepped for. It takes a lot of time and you have to have all the right protection and um, safety people around you and people with extinguishers and there's different ways to light you up, whether you're doing just a, an, an arm burn or a, a back burn or a full body burn. So um, I guess if you're watching other people go before you and you see that they're okay and they've lasted however many seconds you think that I should be also able to do that but obviously there's um there is some healthy amount of trepidation before you get to do that for the first time ever well take us back to the first time tell us uh if you can the very first stunts you were involved in professionally 
my first job was on something called the Numbers Station, and I had just qualified on the UK Stunt Register, um, and it was to double an actress slash model, um, and we had to sort of run away from or react to a car exploding at a we were filming at an old military base. Um, basically, the cameras were all lo located behind me, so if I was running across the screen, um, I couldn't therefore wear pads in any of my in my trousers or on my back. So if I when I had to react, then I ended up having to hit the ground sort of three or four times. Basically, you're doing it for real because. <laughs> There's, um, you're not wearing any pads because you don't want the camera to see it and you don't want to get it wrong. So you're the, you're the person that's causing um, them to have to film it again. And obviously there's pyrotechnics and a, and a car that can only be kind of exploded so many times. Um, I was told not to wear earplugs. It was a sort of a baptism of fire, to be honest. Um, and especially when the car, the communication between the person blowing up the car and our action, myself and another stunt double going towards the car. If we'd gone when we were supposed to go, sort of the three, two, one action, the person actually blew the car up on straight away as soon as they called. So the car went twice as high and you know, windscreens were heading towards the camera crew and doors were flying over the, the you know, the, the military fences, which you can imagine how high they are at a military compound. So we, well, basically, I was quite lucky in my um, my first job that something didn't really go astray. Why did they ask you not to wear earplugs? Is that like so they get a better reaction for the volume of it? That was what the stunt coordinator indicated. Um, and, you know, when it's your first job and you're working for someone that's supposed to be there as sort of an experienced person that's been around for a long time, you have to take that on board. Um, in hindsight, I now know you can wear very small earplugs and you can chop them in half and you can still hear, but then you're also protecting your ears because obviously... Um, any damage to your ears you cannot fix <laughs> so you learn these things um, with just being basically exposed to the um, to the industry and what kind of physical training regime do you have to keep you know do you have to spoke, uh, focus rather on specific things when you're training to be honest I've, I'm all, I've always been active and physically, I'd say, strong and in some sort of a, a decent condition. Um, depending on the job, if you have the luxury of six or eight weeks of rehearsals, then you would be able to physically prepare for a role if it was um, fights and fight reactions or weapons or cars or bikes you are able to sometimes prepare for that on the job or if you don't have that luxury. So say I was doubling um, Delta Goodrum on a horse and I knew it was going to be bareback and even though horses are my 
would be a strength and a skill set that is always with me. I like to go and then ride horses bareback. So I would go and specifically train and prepare for the job as the job was going to take place, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I just, you know, I can't say there's a specific, you know, if all of a sudden you had to show that you could box, well, then obviously I'd go and immerse myself in in pad work and boxing bag work. Um, but that was part of my training. So once you've got to a certain level, I mean, I had to get to brown belt in the martial art to be on the um, the UK register. With those things, you know, the years and years of training and discipline and dedication that goes into that, you don't necessarily lose that as a skill set. Well, how do you go uh, transitioning from these, I suppose, more independent productions to these big Hollywood blockbusters? Because your IMDb is very impressive. You're just grateful when the phone rings. So um, obviously there's less prep on a smaller independent production and you have to you could be just asked to turn up on the day you do the particular stunt and that's it and then you leave and so you sort of I find that on tv you have to be potentially sharper and have the skills really honed before you do any of the action compared to say something like um Fast and the Furious where if you're rehearsing for months then there is there's a luxury that they're paying you to be prepared and to do those stunts for them. So I guess it's, I'm not going to say it's easier, it's just different and it's it's just a privilege to be able to, when someone can afford to have you on that sort of huge franchise, then you're very lucky that you're being paid to prepare for those roles. For sure. And uh, there's no bigger franchise than James Bond. So what was it like working on Skyfall sort of so soon in your career? It was fun. I have fun memories of the particular scene. There's a, was obviously there's a huge network of the tube stations and I'm not sure if you've been to London, but we were filming underneath Charing Cross tube station for this particular escalator scene and going down into the the, the, the deepest, darkest tunnels in the tube system. So filming, you're so lucky to be exposed to these secret places and places where the public would never usually get any access. So... You know, it's great to work with someone like Daniel Craig. Um, obviously, he had a double that was going down the escalators for him. But it's just great to see how they operate, how they prepare. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a good memory. Hmm. Do you spend a lot of time with the other stunt people? I'm sure you glean a lot of information from other people, you know, who have experiences on the set. Definitely. So on Skyfall... The, the coordinator would, he had a lot of people that had just been newly qualified and were just on the register. So he had a heap of people that were in for, you know, a handful of days here and there. And then he also had a lot of the older network and the older women and men that have worked you know, for decades and decades. So to be able to sit and listen to them and listen to their stories and 
you're sort of a sponge. You could sit and listen to them, listen to them all day long because obviously it's just such a unique and fascinating a fascinating world that not many people are really exposed to. Yeah, I'm guessing no two film experiences are the same, hey? No, it was, you know, kind of the best job in the world because of the stimulation, of the variety, um, of and how you have to prepare. And then even when you're told, well, today you'll be doing this particular movement or this particular action, the director can still come along and go, well, I'd like it to be a lot, you know, like this, or I want it this angle, I want twice as much action. So if you are ready and you've rehearsed and the coordinator and your team, are, you think you're prepped for a particular scene, it can all still change five seconds before everything's supposed to start, which keeps you uh, on your toes, obviously. Yeah, and how do you handle adrenaline, you know? Are you ever lying awake at night afraid before a big stunt? Because I, I personally, I don't think I could do what you do. I think that there's been a few jobs where you are aware that it's a big it's a big deal what you're going to do, but you have to have some faith and know that the people you're working with are supposed to be there to keep you safe and to, to look after you. But, yes, there has been sleepless nights, I must confess. You mentioned you worked for, on Fast and the Furious for months, so tell us about your time on that franchise. That, that was... Um, I worked with the, the creme de la creme of the Hollywood stunt people and performers, men and women that had, I mean, Debbie Evans has won maybe five or six Taurus Awards for her stunts on different films in her career. Um, Andy Gill was the coordinator that I did most of my work with on Second Unit because Second Unit is obviously where most of the action takes place. And he was... You know, Kit, he was the driver for Kit. He was all his team who were then at the time 60, 70, 75 years old and had had heart transplants and all sorts of stuff. They were the A-team. They were the drivers of the van and the Dukes of Hazards. So it was just, I still hold Andy as one of the the most wonderful people that I've ever, person that I've ever worked with, with regard to his his patience and his his manner on set, nothing was ever um, too much hassle or nothing was ever stressful because he, just his delivery and he sort of was the glue between, we had the second unit director, Spiro, who was always sort of an excited kid playing with toys basically. It was just, it was amazing to watch these people who have worked together for years and years and years um, and he would yeah, just keep everything balanced and keep everything going. Um, yeah, special, really special memory. And you doubled for Gal Gadot? Yeah, there was Gal and Michelle uh, Rodriguez. So I did the Jensen Interceptor car work for Michelle and I did all the Ducati riding for Gal, um, yeah, which was 
I was very lucky. I'm basically um, a slight petite person. That's naturally how I've always been. So I didn't even have to wear a wig. You know, we had the same hair, the same look, the same body shape. So it was a really, it was great for the director to be able to use me and use my physique on the bike and do the action. And you wouldn't necessarily ever know. You could never necessarily see when it was her or when it was me. And uh, have you seen Wonder Woman yet? <laughs> no, I haven't seen that yet, but I've heard some great things, very good things about her. She's a, so she's a stunning lady. Obviously, she was a model. So she's, um, I think she was Miss Israel, but yeah, she's um, had a great background. So I'm curious with stunt work, um, how much you get to know about a film before you start working on it. Like, um, do you know what stunt work is required before you sign up? Or when you sign on, do they let you know what stunts they're looking for and then you work towards what they want? Uh, I'm going to say no to... No two offers are the same and no, you don't necessarily know what the action is before you're signed up. You might be told that there's not much action and the the lead actress doesn't die. So, you know, basically it'll be sort of minimal that we need you there the whole time to just in case she can't do something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's sort of extremes. I can't really say. Yeah. But if a stunt, uh, if a lead actress or the actress you're doubling for is going to die, that's obviously something that they'd consider when hiring you, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the stunt coordinator potentially would have more of an idea, and I'm not obviously privy to all of that information at the outset. And you are then hopefully given time to rehearse, and then you you would video your rehearsals and then that's given to the director for them to make comments on because obviously it's best to have the actress doing as much as possible but if you know then you can figure out when you would be doing the action or when they can use the actress so the director would be wanting to storyboard and um just Everyone wants to have the face of the actress there and them there as much as possible. So you sort of have to just modify and prepare as best you can, really. Spending time on these big sets, how often do you get to hang out with the actors? You know, do you ever find yourself starstruck? I, th I, think, I don't think starstruck is something that I have experienced yet. There are obviously people that... Um, uh, are A-listers, for example, Nicole Kidman and Cameron Diaz. Um, and when you first meet those people, you know, you just take them, they're just another human being, and they introduce themselves. Nicole came over and said, you know, hi, I'm Nicole. And, and you can only treat someone as they treat you, really. So, yes, you do get to be exposed to them sometimes more than others I had to harness Nicole and have her um, prepared for wire work and hanging upside down on um, Paddington Bear so obviously sometimes it's a, a more intimate experience than not and she was you know happy that I was an Australian and she had an Australian doubling her um, compared to say I don't know if she's necessarily working in America or, or whatnot um, I mean, obviously, there's some pretty good-looking guys that you, 
you get to uh, <laughs> work with. I mean, Michael Fassbender is um, quite nice on the eye, and so if they've got him doing the work and throwing me about and, and I'm reacting with him, I'm not going to say it's a, not a nice experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good day at the office. <laughs> a great day at the office. So when you work with uh, someone like Nicole Kidman, for example, uh, I would imagine that, you know, you want to become somebody's preferred stunt double, you know, for the consistent work. Is that like a goal for stunt people in general? I wasn't aware of it when I first started, but then obviously you learn that, yes, it would be um, fantastic if you were someone's preferred double and they asked for you and, you know, I was lucky enough that Nicole asked for me on the next film after Paddington. She did um, Queen of the Desert, so then I did some horse riding work for her. Um, I think it's something yes that you could you can hope for. And you know, Nicole, it wasn't necessarily like Lara Croft. So um, I know Angelina's double from all of those films has had an amazing career, and she's now a very successful stunt coordinator. Um, and you know, that's something that's surely everybody, the stunt men and stunt women are, are aware of. So is is the goal like a career progression? Is the next sort of step after stunt person, is it stunt coordinator, the person putting the stunts together? It's different in every country. So in Australia, there's a, there's a specific tier. You, you join as, um, I think it's a stunt action person before you could be a stunt performer. Okay. And those those tiers are they're in place because you want someone that that's been exposed to a whole remit of action and and so they're showing themselves as a competent performer before you would then be responsible for other people's safety or for coordinating action and calculating the risks involved so you you can't necessarily i mean you can you, you can but it's not it's not the, the the done thing to just offer yourself up as a stunt coordinator if you haven't been a performer for a certain amount of time okay. and it, in england you you sort of start as a probationary member and then you've got an intermediate level and if you've ticked all these boxes, then you would potentially progress to being a full member and a stunt coordinator. Um, and obviously a production company wants them to be insured. And it, it, it is a progression for some people. Um, I know in Australia there's the option of going towards um, stunt safety and a safety officer, which is also something that you can do instead of becoming, say, an assistant coordinator or, an, or a coordinator. And is, is that a goal of yours then? Did, did you want to try and do that? It's not something that I had <clears throat> pursued. I was more interested in the safety side of it and qualifying in that respect. Um, and, and I am aware that there are potentially three female stunt coordinators that I know of in England that are working compared to, say, 200 men wow. and Australia. I don't know if there's a, someone that's working, and I mean working, they're working regularly and that's their, their career and their job as a stunt coordinator. Okay. Um, so 
a very male-dominated industry. Um, so it's not necessarily something you would really back yourself to actually ever achieving, to be honest. So maybe that will change in the future. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know of many people, many females that have got that as a trajectory for themselves. Okay, well, I mean, you're the first person who's come on the podcast who's been in a Star Wars film, so I'm going to geek out a little bit with you because you worked on Rogue One as Red 8 and your IMDb credit got to change from stunts to actress. So did you have to audition for that? Kind of, but kind of not. <laughs> there was... you, you. I had been given the job, however, you then had... Uh, there was opportunities to potentially speak and to sit in the, the one of the X-Wings on set and to do some dialogue and to, there was particular lines that you, um, we had to learn and, you know, use the controls and move around like you were actually flying the X-Wing. So I'll say that that was something I didn't, I wasn't given that, job after I auditioned uh there was quite a well I was the only female so everybody else was um the blokes so if that sort of answers your question I'm not sure if it does well tell us about your experience and you know your involvement with Rogue One you know was it sort of life-changing has being in Star Wars changed your life um it hasn't because it was for me another day at the office and that's just being totally honest because it was it's not a franchise that I've necessarily watched or um sort of followed to, to just to be honest so I didn't really I really didn't understand the level of um fascination and followers because I was working I uh, had there was real life helicopter pilots and guys that were from you know they were sort of on they were on holiday but they were still serving in the RAF or you know serving as military pilots and they basically would have worked for free and were just everything to them they were in mm. awe of what was happening and where we were whereas I hadn't necessarily been exposed to even understanding what an X-wing pilot was and that's just been honest with you sure so I guess when you know after it's all done and dusted and then there was a heap of photos taken of me on set from the stills photographer and you know you don't think much of that because they often have to take photos for continuity and the costume are always taking photos of you to see what you were wearing what you looked like was your hair messy were you dirty you know all those sorts of things um, in the scene so you don't think that all of a sudden you're going to end up in a sticker book or uh, on the internet with a character that's then got a storyline and that that's a big deal obviously in the Star Wars universe. Yeah that's right I mean you're Zareen Dallas in real life but now in the Star Wars world you're Zal Dinnis <laughs> and you have, you have a trading card. Yes yes I've had friends that send them and I have received them in the post because people want them signed um which is just you know it's um it's just different because it's not something that I have ever been exposed to so 
you know, I'm happy to sign them and, and I have a, I have a giggle with friends, but, but I was in it. But I guess it hasn't changed me or changed my life specifically. It's a fantastic experience, I'm sure, like a lot of people would love to uh, have had. Um, but I just wondered if, you know, trying the acting bug, whether that has given you any desire to do acting again. You know, I've sort of been exposed to you might be a, a policewoman and you're delivering dialogue to someone on set or you're the, the stunt double being the mum delivering the child to school and that you have a car accident. And, and I've been lucky enough to sort of to be the actress slash stunt double so they didn't need to have the double. So then I've become that person and I've become that face. I thought I thought I thought about presenting and being involved in car or bike shows and things that uh, I'm interested in and they're hobbies of mine rather than acting. It's there are things in the pipeline and there are people that have asked me to participate in things. So I'm not going to say no. And it's it's something else to be involved with and it's something else to learn and it's another skill set. So. Again, I'm I'm lucky that those doors, some of those doors, the small doors, have been open for me. So I will, I'll investigate them as they come along. That sounds good. What has been your favourite stunt you've been involved with so far? There, there, there are lots and lots of cherished and amazing memories, and I think one of the earlier ones was. Doubling Cameron Diaz on The Counselor. We are shooting in Spain. It's the opening sequence of the film, so I'm not sure if you've seen. Yeah, we've reviewed it on this podcast, yeah. <laughs> okay. So Cameron's riding a black, a Spanish horse, uh, over sort of some lovely burnt hills, grassy hills, and there's two cheetahs that are sort of running along beside an adjacent to the horse and obviously we didn't have the cheetahs next to the horse when we were filming and it was done separately but you know it's a pinch yourself day in the office I'm I'm being paid to ride this horse at a gallop over these hills it was it's a, it was a stunning Spanish horse with some amazing um, horse people um, and then you've still got to be on set and they bring the cheetahs out and, you know, you're watching these amazing creatures and you're listening to them purr and you watch them move around and then, you know, Cameron at the end it gives you a huge hug and says, you know, thank you so much and you knew she just was so grateful. So I guess, that, you know, that they stay with you as, wow, that was a pretty, that was a pretty good day. <laughs> In the office, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, do you get to keep any mementos from the stunts you perform in? Sometimes they they might sell your costume at half price. Um, and sometimes, you know, there might be a nice shirt that you're wearing or they haven't destroyed it or ripped it apart or the shoes might be quite comfortable. So, <laughs> you know, I have commented when I've been somewhere else later on, oh, yeah, these are my... My bloodstones from XYZ film, <laughs> you're wearing your costume then in day-to-day life. Um, 
I did keep, and Andy Gill said you should keep this, and this is this will be a sort of a special memory. When I when I jumped off the Ducati and the Ducati in Fast Six barrel rolls and is destroyed, it's smashed to pieces um, for that particular stunt when I jumped onto the side of the Jeep. The the little windscreen was intact. It obviously had been detached from the bike, but he said to me, you should get people to sign this and you should just keep that. And, you know, it's in my loft and that's something that you do keep and think that was um, something you might want to share with your family or someone will want to keep one day, I guess. You were recognised as part of the stunt ensemble for Skyfall, which won outstanding action performances by a stunt ensemble in a motion picture in 2012. So are there stunt awards for individuals or uh, what is sort of the highest level of award for stunt work? So there's something called the Taurus Awards, which is held in LA every year. There are different categories. You might have um, best um, stunt for, for, for wire work or best action in a vehicle or hardest hit or best stunt by a female, for example. So the Taurus Awards, I think they used to be televised and they were a much larger event in the past, but I think for whatever reason they're not. Um, there isn't as much. I'm not sure why, and there are lots of people talking about why we don't receive an Oscar or why we aren't acknowledged for the skills and the action and the risks that we take. But that that, that, that would be one of the the highest accolades or acknowledgements in the industry if, if you've received a Taurus Award. I, I was talking to somebody else and they said, why isn't there an Oscar for stunt work? And it feels like maybe that's something that could change in the future. I think there are people kind of trying to bring it to people's attention and it's it's happening at sort of much higher levels than myself and behind the scenes. So there are people that are... Uh, trying to see that this would change in the future. I haven't sort of, mm. yeah, it comes and goes, that sort of, that argument. And, yeah, I'm not too sure where it is at the moment. You've already worked on some huge film franchises. You know, you mentioned enjoying Bond and The Fast and the Furious. And, of course, you mentioned not being a big fan of Star Wars. But is is there a film franchise you would love to work on? I can't say that. There's something that jumps out at me. I know Wonder Woman will potentially have a sequel and, and more action, so it's always great if you can be involved with a film where there's the lead is doing more action than not. Fast and the Furious will continue to... Well, at least there's two more in the pipeline, they say. So I would always say yes to driving fast cars and doing and precision driving in the future that is something that depending on what country and what the scene entails you would always learn something and have an amazing experience and potentially who knows it might head to australia one day soon so that would be fantastic yeah well i mean they haven't filmed a fast and furious film down under yet so why not well they've been to so many other countries i'm sure australia would be somewhere where they could come and do some action, I'm quite certain of it. 
So if you weren't doing stunts, what would your uh, job be? What would you what would you see yourself doing for a profession? Uh, funny enough, I have almost joined the uh, army. <laughs> so in Australia, I was looking at the reserves, and in England, I was looking at the territorial army because the the physical body and looking after yourself has always been an interest of mine. So I'm also a qualified personal trainer and I'm qualified in sports. I've always sort of been around athletes or people that are active. So I think I would I would always steer, I would be steered towards an outdoorsy active role if I wasn't. If if I possibly could, that would that would be my preference. When you, you know, go home at the end of the day and you want to put on a movie, you know, do you favour action films in your downtime or is that a bit too much like work? What is your favourite film? It's a great question. I know lots of us watch, so John Wick 2 was uh, recently released and uh, someone that I've worked with, he used to be, he used to train with them at 87-11 who were, a huge, well, they're huge in LA and they do a lot of the action films. So I know you, it's not work because you're going to go and you're having just a relaxing night out. So you want to go and see how they've put that action together and you, you're, you're teased in the trailer with the cars, with the bikes, with the fights. So you, I guess it's sort of, uh, R&D, you want to go and see how it's been cut together and everyone's trying to do something new, something different. I always remembered Taken with uh, Liam Neeson and always remembered, wow, for me at the time, there's obviously been action films forever, but to me that director, he achieved something different and he had an amazing fight coordinator, choreographer, stunt coordinator on that film. And it just stayed with me because it was unique and there seemed to be, at the time, unique action. Um, but I, I, my preference, if I wanted to go and watch, um, I guess it's something that's going to touch, move and inspire, so I, I'm really inspired by real-life stories. I want to walk away and, and I've been educated or I'm in, I, I, you know, I want to go and do something after watching it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If people want to become, you know, a a person of interest in this world of stunts, you know, they want to break into the stunt world, what kind of advice can you give them? I guess you you have more of a chance starting earlier on in life. So if you've been a teenager and you've, you've naturally done a martial art or you've trained to a high level on, say, dirt bikes or in weapons, say. I think just the younger you are when you're learning particular physical skills, it will hold you in. It's just, as an adult, I think it's harder to, I had to learn trampolining as an adult and, I mean, very intricate and difficult manoeuvres to pass my stunt test, my trampoline test. So if you were younger and you were learning that at school, then that's going to be just a better skill set that sits with that's with you and in your body. Does that make sense? Yeah, to start sooner in life and as you're still developing an interest and developing physically? 
Yeah, um, because anyone that's picked up, I mean, you've you just got to look at the Lewis Hamiltons or the, the Tiger Woods or the Serena Williams. You know, stunt people are, they're athletes. And if you've started something when I mean, you were three or four or five years old, so Mark Higgins, you know, an enormously talented rally driver, they've all gone from when they were young and being immersed in the skills, and I had that with the horses. So, you know, talking to children and meeting families that they want their child to be in the industry, I say, well, you know, you've got in, in England it's six disciplines, in Australia it's four disciplines. So for them to start, sooner rather than later I think that's much better for them and you'll have more of an opportunity to then be graded sooner rather than later you have to really 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 want it it's the hardest thing that I've ever done the training that I did required seven day a week discipline and dedication and you know paying for coaches and not having a social life, and if someone wanted to 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 catch up with me, well, I said, well, I'm rock climbing tonight, or I'm kickboxing the next night, or I'm training on the weekend. So if someone wanted to date me, they were sort of well, I had to come and participate in a class with with me because that to me that was the focus that I had to have to pass these exams to be qualified basically well i mean it sounds like a ton of work congratulations on the career so far and i I find all of this fascinating so thanks very much for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories you're welcome nice to talk to you that was my interview with zareen dallas who it was a pleasure to have on the show a special thanks to vicky at actionstunts.com.au for setting up the interview and uh absolutely insightful I'm fascinated by this world of stunt people, and um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And that's it for now. Stay tuned at podmeifyoucan.com and check out our back catalogue of interviews and uh, reviews at podmeifyoucan.com. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews.